Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. It's Friday, and you know what that means. I'm bringing you a conversation with a collector with a lot of insight, a lot of knowledge, and a ton of passion. I got my man Peter. You know him as High End Kyler on Instagram. He's got the best Kyler PC in the land. I'm telling you, right when I got back in the hobby, he's one of the first pages I came to and just drooling over that Kyler PC. Kyler is really exciting. A lot of new people are hopping into his market, so I figured why not bring one of the best collectors in the land to you to hear his his knowledge. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Tell a damn friend about stacking slabs. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Excited to be talking with someone who I've been communicating with since I've been back in the hobby. I would say I, I've actually told him. I said I, you know, I really appreciate his page. His page is something that I follow frequently. And I would imagine if you follow me, likely you probably follow this page because I've, I've shared his stuff and talked about his page a lot. But I am joined by Peter. You know him as high in Kyler. Tis the season, it seems, for Kyler Murray based on what happened after week one and just uh, the uproar, it seems like, of the hobby uh, going after this guy at this point. But without further ado, Peter, how are you? Buddy, thanks for having me on your show. Very excited to uh, talk about Kyler Murray to uh, your audience. Uh, I live and breathe, obviously, uh, Kyler Murray. For those that uh, have seen my page, it's uh, become an obsession that, uh, you know, it sometimes has taken priority over my woman before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, that's, that's very relatable. I think sports cards do that in general to us who are deep in it. But I have to shout before we like go too far deep into indie. This is what I love about Instagram is when we got connected and started trading messages, uh, quickly found out. And I, I think it was, uh, I posted something about Market Square Arena and you were like, yes, so much nostalgia growing up, going to games at Market Square Arena. I was just like, hi, and Kyler's from Indianapolis. And so like we, we, we started talking and uh, no mutual people, but I think, you know, that's the fun of Instagram. And I'm sure you you've been through that with not only me, but other people like using Instagram is just a way to connect with people. It's pretty incredible. Um, and I'm just, what, what are your thoughts on just Instagram as a channel to kind of build and develop relationships? It is absolutely amazing. I'm actually a guy that has never had any social media. I got rid of my social media in college back when Facebook first started. Now I'm really aging myself as well as you, Brett. Um, but uh, ended up shutting that down after uh, the girlfriend was uh, spamming on there as about uh, other girls posting on my page, whatever the heck that means. I still don't know what it means because, again, I got rid of it about a month after I had it. Uh, so the current lady uh, had suggested uh, that I hop on Instagram uh, publicize my cards and uh, basically did that back in. March of 2020, of so I've been Kyler's after Kyler's rookie season, and uh, just got hooked. And it has been a great connection as far as meeting, connecting with people all across the country. I mean, I know uh, me and you, Brett, we did connect on the nostalgia of MSA Market Square Arena, 
I still have three jerseys down in my uh, uh, closet: Peyton Manning, uh, Chuck person, Chuck the Rifleman person, and uh, Larry Bird. Uh, but uh, it, it really is funny the amount of people that you kind of meet, and I'm constantly talking to uh, uh, my girlfriend about it too. I mean, you meet people of all sorts of walk, walks of life during this hobby that you would never think. I mean, from selling recently to the uh, head DJ for the San Francisco 49ers at the game to, uh, you know, occasionally a rapper re- reaches out to me to a CEO at a uh, fortune 500 company to, you know, Hey, that some 14 year old kid that's just super into Kyle Murray that lives in Arizona and has all these gears. It's, it's awesome. It's phenomenal. The amount of relationships, connections that I've made, you know, personally, uh, just in a matter of two years on there. That's awesome. Um, and I can relate with some of that. Obviously I'm not hanging out with DJs or selling to fortune 500, uh, kids from fortune 500 companies or whatever. Um, but I think just, it would mean it's a reason why we're talking today. And I think, you know, back when I jumped into the hobby, um, Kyler Murray was someone just back in college, like he caught my attention and just excitement, uh, his tenacity, um, you know, just leadership capabilities, like to me, like he, he's the whole package, um, and you know, you get the naysayers, which your handle is high and curly Kyler. So I'm sure you've heard it a lot just about, you know, he's too small. He's too this, like he'll never be good. Um, so I guess like the conversation that I want to have with you is s- speculation. And there's so much of the hobbies about speculation and prospecting. And I think a lot of people get twisted. Um, but you've kind of focused in and you found your guy and you've like, the more I followed you, the more you've doubled down on him. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that, but just maybe let's start from the top. Like why Kyler Murray? Like, how'd you get into him? What it is about him? Like, um, sh- share some perspective there. Absolutely. I mean, I guess to start off with, uh, I've always been in the cards ever since I was a little kid. I mean, it was my, my era and obviously your era too, uh, Brett was 1990-91 NBA Hoops basketball packs was just ripping them like crazy. I mean, uh, uh, all throughout the 90s, you know, my next favorite brand, you know, was the 93-94 Ultra Basketball. Uh, Just was, you know, whether being getting rewarded for grades or doing some type of sports accomplishments for my pops. That's kind of how I got into cards to begin with. And so I've kind of been in and out of cards all my life. Uh, selling on different virtu- different ventures throughout my card collecting career. Um, my most recent uh, uh, was a sell-off to buy my first home. Uh, probably about six years ago, I was really into all the vintage stuff, so all the Hall of Fame rookies. I had one of the top PSA registries in regards to that. I'm sure that would be worth a gazillion dollars now, but we could all say that about a lot of these cards. Um, so once I tailed off from that, I, I really got heavy into uh, gambling. Um, and gambling uh, uh, on sports, that is, uh, not to there, where there was a problem, but to where I was betting on multiple sports and doing a lot of research every single week on college and NFL. And that's when I saw Kyler back in uh, 2019 at Oklahoma, I guess finishing up the 2019-2018 uh, season. Uh, and I was just wowed by some of the things that you just said. I mean, his leadership was phenomenal just to have that type of poise that he would have, whether it be in the interviews or you could see it on the field, never getting too emotional. Um, was just something that I gravitated to that was really old schoolish. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, from his baseball background, this kid just had a amazing accuracy to go along with a four, three So it was like, okay, these are all the features that the new age quarterback needs. I mean, 
you could combine a Lamar Jackson and a Patrick Mahomes, I'm not saying he's got the arm of Patrick Mahomes today or whatnot, but if you combine those two characteristics, you would have the best quarterback in the league. Well, Kyler, Kyler has a little bit of both. You know, he, maybe he's not as elusive as Lamar or as quick as Lamar, but pretty darn close. Maybe he's not as accurate or as um, able to throw from pretty much any trajectory as Patrick Mahomes, but pretty darn close. He's got a bomb of an arm like that, and so I just fell in love with it, made a lot of money while I was at Oklahoma, and decided to go, let's let's get back into cards, and uh, went all in on the guy. I love it. Um, so take the path with, with Murray, and I think that you touched on something that I love about him, and uh, probably the my my favorite quality is um, you know the guy throw the guy throws an interception and it's just like it happened let's get, let's go and he gets back out on the field the next drive and he's you know making passes plays all over the field running it for forty yards it's just like that ability to shake off something and just push forward I think to me like yes there's the excitement and the speed and all of these. Uh, plays that he can do that other guys can't but to me it's like those intangible qualities that might not be like measured by people who aren't really watching the games on the card market but like people who are spending time watching the kid play every week um those are the things that that shine through without a doubt without a doubt i mean and a lot of people that aren't watching those games just kind of uh counter on that are just looking at the box score uh if you watch the kid on the field yeah again he's got that four three speed but he's looking to throw first i mean prime example was uh the madden highlight from last week where he zigged and zagged and backed up i mean yeah he probably could have scrambled around that guy for eight or ten yards or so but nope he was looking down the field the entire time to throw the ball um that's where it kind of separates it from that uh, throwing shade at lamar jackson but uh he's just frankly not the uh, uh type of uh, accurate passer that uh, kyler murray is kyler is not a running quarterback he's just a quarterback that can throw and that also has some wheels I love that. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about your cards and your PC, and I know uh, it, it's it's high volume, but I want to talk about like the stages. So you got back into cards. Now, did you start buying Kyler like right when he got drafted? Like, what was your entry point? Like, where were we at in Kyler Murray's NFL career when you made your first card, and what was that first card that you picked up? Yeah, so I had been out of the card market since. Uh, September of 2016. So that would be three years before Kyler's rookie release cards, essentially. Um, and obviously three years, how fast this market moves, you really got to stay on it. Not from every couple months. You got to stay on week to week because you're also going to be missing some action, missing some trends, missing some stuff that, that sold or what, what stuff sells for, what's the best brands, et cetera, et cetera. So Frankly, when I hopped back in uh, three years later in September of 2019, again, I decided I'm going all in on Kyler Murray. But at the same point, I didn't know how much the marketplace had evolved in that three years. And this is before the big pricing boom that we all saw in March of 2020. And so I was buying the, the college grade stuff, which is great if you're a college collector of the Oklahoma. But the fact is, you are limiting your ceiling value big time if you're buying college products. You just Less coveted, smaller market, smaller prices. Um, so from there, I just look, looked at who was the hottest quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes. I'm a conservative guy. So then I took all of Patrick Mahomes' cards across the board, you know, from Phoenix to everything else, and just looked at what sold best, you know, whether it be inserts, whether it be specific brands, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody knows the big hitters on the NTs and 
the prisms and all that good stuff. But so you, that's easy to model. But if you pick the in-betweens of what really sells for the best player, then you can simply match that up with your prospect. Now, the ceiling value I put on Kyler's uh, um, cards at the beginning were 50% of what Mahomes' best selling price is. So never getting, oh, all of a sudden this NT is going to be worth $600,000. Now, uh, just put about 50% cap and just kind of rolled from there and modeled my collection off of what sells best for Patrick Mahomes. I love that. That's something just as uh, I would be advice for listeners, especially just on the football side. It to, That's something I do I, as a Peyton collector. I monitor Brady's stuff all day long and, and kind of map when I'm trying to buy something. Uh, if I think there's opportunity or if I think uh, it's, it's too high, I always just kind of point back at the guy. And, and from a modern perspective, Mahomes is that benchmark. Um, so I love that. And that that's really smart. Um, so you, you jumped in and you said you didn't necessarily uh, maybe weren't pursuing the NT stuff at first. What type of, was it prism? Was it what parallels? Like what types of stuff? What were you, were you after and why were you after those, those specific cards right out of the gates? Yeah. So I went all in. Um, so it was really based on real estate. So I wasn't an NT, but again, an NT doesn't get released until March of, uh, uh, a rookie quarterback's career. So again, I started, I started peeling off. I got into the breaks things when they were affordable. Now they're completely unaffordable where it really is a lottery ticket. Uh, so I learned uh, some mistakes later on or kind of did some cost value analysis and, you know, realized, you know, by the time you got to Burrow and Herbert, it, the breaks just really weren't worth it, frankly. Sorry for those out there that are doing breaks, but uh, you really are playing kind of scratch off games with uh, uh, those nowadays at the certain prices they're at. But uh, yeah, I, I initially focused on college, realized, oh, shoot, I made, made a mistake. And uh, then I just went directly into the, the top targeted brands that went. I avoided, uh, you know, the absolutes, the certifies, which are beautiful cars. But again, if you're looking really to maximize your ceiling value, you just got to follow that model of what sells best for the best player and pair down to your player. And it also allowed you to kind of stay ahead of the curve, too, like that. So um, you know, obviously everybody's already going to be on prism, but you know, if you go ahead and look at Mahomes Phoenix cards or whatnot, uh, they actually sell really, really well. So if you believe a player is going to take off, you can actually get the head of the curve and buy, buy some of these lesser brand cards that are, uh, you know, actually have a really nice ceiling value compared to what they might be selling for today. Uh, you know, a lot of the, uh, you know, the Phoenixes that, uh, you know, I bought for Kyler like that, that were selling for 10, 15 bucks, you know, or two, $300 today. And that's great margins. No and doubt. No, no doubt. No, no doubt. I, I think the Phoenix cards are, are, uh, can be underrated and I've done the same thing. What I'll do is like, uh, if there's a card that I don't, haven't necessarily come across or bought, I'll always go like, if it's a guy, a younger guy that's coming up that I might be interested in, I'll check out what is, what is the Mahomes going for at this point? Like what's the PSA nine? What's the, what's the, what's the PSA 10 going for? And to me, that's like, then, then you make, you make your decisions based off of that. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I didn't, and one thing I didn't do is I never really understood, especially during. It's really attributed to, excuse me, Kyler's rookie year a lot. Is uh, never got into the oddity guard craze. So the base cards, yeah, I got a couple of them, but at the same time, um, you know, I bought maybe ten of them, but when they were like eighty bucks a pop, but uh, there's just no way that was sustainable. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, rarity wins out with everything. Yeah. So, so I, I, I agree. And it, it takes some people a while to, to come around and realize that. Um, and so it sounds like that out of the gates, you kind of knew that. And I think any collector 
realize is just the differentiation and the 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 amount it just becomes less attractive the more i guess you see those cards show up in your instagram feed definitely definitely does and then uh i guess kind of the after effects too i mean you can't really check pop reports right out of the gate because there's so much new product some people holding the grading and now the stalling of grading companies and now the reopening of the great grading companies you're not probably not too accurate on 2020 uh pop, pop reports quite yet there's probably still about a year out from coming seasoned, I would say, but down the line with your other players, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, those are pretty mature pop reports. So you can get on there and you get some sneaky buys uh, of certain cards that, you know, frankly just don't gem for whatever reason. Maybe they had print lines through them. Maybe they were just butchered on centering. So it creates a lot of value if you do a lot of the homework on your pop reports and then uh, uh, later exploit those uh, uh, buys. You're buying like, a madman, I would imagine. All new products on Kyler. Kyler, exciting rookie year. How did you monitor and measure what you got in for Kyler? The season happened. Um, then how did you evaluate, like, after rookie season was over, you've got a bunch of new Kyler Murray cards. How did you evaluate what your game plan was and what you were going to do going into that year, too? Yeah, spreadsheets on spreadsheets. Uh so uh, cataloged every single buy by, by the date, the amount purchased, if I bought it graded or if I graded it myself, factored in the grading cost to uh, my spreadsheets as well. So got down to my cost basis, knew that I'm a collector at the core, I'm not a flipper at all. I'm not a uh, guy that's trying to make a living off of uh, uh, cards, but I also knew that, hey, this is becoming a more and more expensive hobby. So go ahead and buy Duke Pits the three times, the four times, even 10 times of uh, uh, some cards because I have a hard time letting go of them, letting any of them go. I love cards. It's uh, you know part of my life 100%. So that went into my evaluate, evaluation quite a bit uh, in, my, in my purchases. But uh, along with that was, again, uh, uh, knowing that at some point you can't own them all and that you need to offset your cost basis in order to take care of other things uh in your life uh, my woman <laughs> <laughs> i love the point of distinction that you made around this isn't what i want was going to do like full time it's just kind of like it's on your you got a, a you, you got a career this is something for fun on the side sure you're spending a lot of time on it you want to make some money off of it but i think like just clarifying that um and talking and being open about that like it's hard when content and people talk about certain things without really setting context of like, this is what someone does like 24 seven and to pay their bills. And this is something someone does like on the side when work is over with to stay stimulated and, and be a fan. Absolutely. I mean, it it strictly got into Kyler for fun, not for money. It was hard for me to sell out my vintage collection back in 2016. It will be hard for me to sell out this time. And I knew it going into it based on my previous experiences. Again, why I bought multipliers of every single card so uh, uh, that I, you know, covet or whatnot, uh, uh, so I could keep them and not feel. I mean, still things each time I sell one, but at the same time, um, I know I'm be hoarding those for, you know, hopefully uh, Kyler's uh, duration of his career for a lot of them. You are highly high end Kyler, but you're also a hoarder Kyler for sure. You can see that. <laughs> You'll see me on uh, on uh, what's that on Animal Channel's uh, next episode. <laughs> I think Kyler's hoarding. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. So so uh, Kyler's rookie year's over. Go into year two. 
this is kind of where I, I jumped in and I started, uh, you know, looking around get when I was getting into cards and, uh, Kyler Murray for, we've already talked about it. We share in the same feeling, I think of him. And I was trying to get into Kyler. So going into uh, year two of Murray, was it like double down buy more? Don't look back. Like what was your process? Um, as you, as he entered that second season. So there was a lot of interesting going things going on just in the marketplace, even going into the second season. So at that point, we hit boom, basically March basically started the full gas pedal measure in the card industry. That's really when the, the prices really started taking off March of 2020. So that was just after Kyler's rookie season going into the off season. So Again, based on all my purchases prior to that, I was already kind of ahead of the game. So I had a little more flexibility to get, excuse me, aggressive. And his, his product, his prices really started to peak during those first six games of uh, 2020 when you, they, they started off really well. I think they started off like four and two or something. But my strategy at that point wasn't to just to continue to buy down. His dip actually helped me out from when he got his shoulder injury there in 2020. And the team just kind of, the wheels fall off the wagon the last uh, eight games. The industry, I mean, everybody wants gratification now. Um, so with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, from the day they started, they were pretty much already good and their teams were just rolling. I mean, they really got drafted on the playoff rosters. I mean, the uh, I believe the Chiefs almost went to what did the AFC Championship the year before. Uh, Patrick Mahomes took the reins there at quarterback. And then obviously Lamar already had that back Baltimore defense by the time he's going going into a, a his starting or starting job. Um, so people need to realize a lot of times with these starting quarterbacks that they're not going to be instantly great in the first two seasons. They're getting drafted on really bad teams. Tyler was drafted number one overall on a historically bad Arizona Cardinals team. Even if I think if you're looking at Justin Herbert, who everybody's after right now, and it's just personal opinion, or even a Joe Burrow is a good example these guys probably aren't going to make the playoffs this year. It's, it's going to be tough, tougher than people think there in the, the AFC West with the Broncos and the, uh, the Raiders. And then also, of course, the Chiefs are, are playing to win the division. You can't really expect a top five pick quarterback to succeed in the first two years because it's a pretty dismantled roster. Uh, I always reference back to, again, my football jerk, Jesus, Peyton Manning. Look at his first two years in the NFL. Not so high. You look it up his touchdown and interception uh, a record. I mean, it's close to 60, 40 touchdowns to uh, uh, interceptions during that span as far as percentage-wise. So I think people have a lot of unrealistic expectations based on Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson's success within two years of uh, starting quarterbacks. So going back to your question, Brett, I think that almost helped me out last year where, okay, well, people are going to sleep because they think this guy didn't make it all of a sudden year two after getting his team was the worst team in the league 18 months ago. He's not it. It's like, no, he doesn't have any pieces. He only had DeAndre Hopkins, nothing on the offensive line, a pretty barren defense as well. And, you know, frankly, a uh, interesting coach that's still trying to figure it out and hope he uh, has a little bit better uh, game plan uh, uh, going forward. He looked great last week. It's just hope it's the new uh, Cliff Kingsbury for sure. Totally. And I'll tell you what, man, like last year after I had bought a few pieces before the season, you know, I think one of the things, and you touched on this, that I like to do if I'm buying a guy that's not necessarily connected with something I'm collecting, it falls a little outside. Like, especially in football, it's like the value, if buying a quarterback that's young, the evaluation of the talent around that quarterback and your 
game plan on when you are planning to to get out, I think is is really important. And you know, Hopkins, the I had bought some cards and Hopkins came and I was like, oh man, these guys are going to the playoffs. And then the Hell Murray play happened. I was like, oh, this is going to be so awesome. And then the injury happened and it just there was there was no recovery. And it it was kind of a bummer because you know they had the chance to make the playoffs, but then didn't make the playoffs. So when when the Cardinals didn't make the playoffs or you knew that they weren't going to like, was, were the, was there any fear inside of you? Were you like, Oh shit, I got to get out of this. Or did you view it as, okay, this is an opportunity for me to, to go deeper because the price is lower than it's been in a while. It was deeper. I mean, at that point, I mean, especially during the first half of the season, I saw enough body of work to the point where, you know, frankly, I thought Cliff Kingsbury might be the biggest holdup to Kyler's success just because his play for all was atrocious. Now, maybe there were some factors behind that. Maybe it's because the offense was so terrible. That's why he needed to do so many uh, screen plays and behind-the-line throws to uh, to the receivers or whatnot. But uh, it, it really gave me an opportunity to kind of double down. I mean, if he would have continued on that trajectory uh, as he was in the first nine weeks of, of the season, uh, then the prices would have been too affordable for my, my palate based on how much I had already invested in them. But the stuff I was scooping up in December and January to where they're even at now, or even before he threw a snap uh, uh, last week, uh, are up five, six times. So uh, um, thankfully, it did help me finish off some pieces in my collection that I really wanted. I love it. Season two is over with. We go into season three. And, and just like my perspective of Kyler Murray, just from like a medium PR, like I feel like the way he has commanded himself in interviews and the way um, he's used words and talked like I've seen an elevation just in terms of, okay, this guy's like a three-year vet right now. Like by the way, he's talking, like you can tell, like, this is his team. I I'm sure you're like, Hey, every reporter, everything he's saying, you're, you're, you're hooked on that. Uh, did you have similar observations? Definitely ear to ear. I mean, again, going back to that old school thing, when I first, uh, started talking to you here, uh, in regards to why I got into Kyler Murray and what attracted me to him. I mean, this interview, interview candor, candor is second to none. I mean, it reminds me of Peyton Manning, uh, Tom Brady. Um, he's got that just kind of never too high, never too low feeling and always more striving, striving of himself. And that's what you want as your quarterback, as your leader of your team. I mean, I'm trying to think across the league. I mean, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are necessarily that vocal about him. And of course, you, you peel off the top three, you know, Mahomes, Brady, and Rodgers. Of course, they are very much like that, although I'm not sure how much of a leader uh, uh, Rodgers is. He's awfully sultry quite a, quite, quite a few times. But, uh, but uh, yeah, that leadership definitely hangs with me. And, you know, I don't see people who act like that and don't succeed. So definitely kept a string on me for sure. Uh, this is where it's like a historical timeline right now. After the Brady and Mahomes Super Bowl, I've said, which I think a lot of people agree, have said it too, is just like probably one of the best things to happen for football cards. Like after that game, the football market like just did not die. It just kept rolling. You mix in every team having a young quarterback or a new quarterback with potential. You know, you mentioned Herbert, Burrow, Tua, I mean, Baker Mayfield now, like the, the list just goes on. Do you think that the momentum around football cards and the volume of quarterbacks took some attention off of Kyler in the offseason, or do you feel like Kyler people were, were there and they've always been there? So a couple of things. I feel like the Kyler people were there and always will be there. 
but I do think it halted the flippers, I guess you could say, uh, in the industry, which I'm, I'm all about the flippers. Bring anybody wants to pump, pump some money in, that's awesome. Make some living on it. It's fun. I mean, I've uh, one of my favorite show, shows on uh, uh, a history channel is American Pickers. I mean, that that's fun to find finds and go ahead and flip it for a couple more bucks. I mean, that's that's great. Bring on that. But I do think it put a halt the flippers from wanting to spend money on them and thinking that uh, um, the capacity was there to make their margins that they needed. And then on top of that, the Arizona Cardinals were rather secretive all um, training camp and even a preseason. And you even had Kyler kind of being negative, saying these games don't matter and Almost like he just didn't care if he could threw in the dirt three times and went off on the field in preseason. So it really did kind of build up the mystery factor and again kept surplus prices to what I feel is what were in a sort uh, affordable point until after Sunday, obviously, in this five TD performance and lighting up uh, the Tennessee Titans, which I hate because I'm a Colts fan at heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I want to get it. We're going to get into Week One um, before we do. Um, I'd love your perspective. You seem like you come from a place of abundance. You're in it. You're dedicated. Um, but, you know, with collecting a, a current player, there's so much energy invested in watching the games. Like the people who are really collecting guys are paying attention to their interviews, watching everything. What's that like? Like maybe let's not talk about this year, but maybe like last year, like as Kyler Murray fan and obviously wanting him to do well. What's that like game to game for you? Is it is it nerve wracking? Are you able to enjoy it? Like share some perspective. It is nerve wracking, especially again, last season it started to get pretty nerve wracking when uh, you know, the play fell off because of uh the injury. And then again, there's I mean, it was really just a two man team on offense between uh Hopkins and Kyler, and you need a lot more than that, especially uh everybody knows all the the wars running the we're one in the trenches for sure. So it is it is a clinging on every single possession type of thing, uh, especially with all the unknowns left of last season going into this season. So uh, I'm puckered up uh, just a little bit, but uh, the elation gives me that gambler's rush when I see him take off like last game. I mean, it is cheering like you you've never cheered before. Um, it is straight excitement and everybody can feel it around us. So <laughs> no, no, we've all been there for sure. Um, so week one, you know, I think, you know, I don't know what the market thought between, you know, Tennessee and Arizona on maybe the outcome. I certainly don't think people thought the separation and just Arizona beating Tennessee like they did. I, I didn't see that coming at least. But obviously, Kyler had a Kyler game, like just a, a hallmark Kyler Murray game at the kickoff of the season when all emotions are high and optimism is through the roof. I'm sure you watching that game, you're 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 freaking out, right? Especially um, the pass to Hopkins in the back of the end zone. Like talk, talk me through like your feeling and emotion during that game. Like, like, were you thinking like, this team is finally ready. This coach is finally ready. Or are you still kind of restraining yourself a little bit? Uh, a little bit of both. So, I mean, it, it was interesting leading up to the game. Uh, the Titans were actually three and a half uh, uh, point favorites, but what more, was more odd than that. I guess that's not odd for me that uh, they were a playoff team last year and they were at home or Cardinals were on the road. But I thought, I found it very odd that they were the heaviest, uh, public betted team in the NFL, meaning that 
there was over 70% of individuals betting on the Arizona and Titans game that were actually betting on the Titans to beat that spread. Um, that's pretty darn hefty. So, and typically the Sharps in Vegas uh, tend to go the other way when it's that hefty of a bet. Uh, so that kind of made me almost feel good that uh, uh, the, the public was betting that heavy on uh, uh, the Titans or whatnot. Uh, and then as we went through the game and I started seeing Cliff Kingsbury actually allow Kyler to throw the ball downfield rather than behind the line of scrimmage for Hop, which Hopkins is not really known for beating somebody behind the line of scrimmage and going 80 yards. When you saw Purdue alum uh, Rondell Moore and his electric speed, and, uh, and all of a sudden you saw the defense come alive. I, I do feel like although Chandler, Sack had, or Chandler, Chandler Jones had an amazing game with five sacks, uh, you got to attribute to some sort of leadership and uh, 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 desire to try to double team JJ Watt in every single play. So that was very cool to see as well. And then in addition to that, the, uh, the biggest concern when there was there on Cardinals was really their uh, defensive backs because Malcolm Butler just spontaneously retiring a week before the regular season and Patrick Peterson gone, which he's way past his prime as it is. But uh, a lot of people were doubting that to actually see them, you know, go toe to toe with, uh, uh, A.J. Brown and, and uh, Julio Jones was pretty awesome, even though uh, Tannehill obviously was on severe pressure uh, the whole entire game. 100%. So Kyler put up a, a Kyler Murray game, a game that gets the hobby um, really excited. There were some other storylines, right? You know, Burrow, you know, Herbert, some other things happening, some guys like Jameis Winston out of nowhere. Um, but the focus with like maybe a, people doubting a Josh Allen after one week, people freaking to the moon on Kyler Murray. You're sitting there. Everyone knows you've got this ridiculous Kyler Murray collection. Um, what kind of feedback did you get after week one? Like people reaching out to you to try to get some cards because they wanted to be a part of the party. Like, I'd love to know, like when the dust settled after week one, like what's your week been like? Definitely. It's been a million gazillion messages and, it has been a mix from people realizing, okay, this guy is the real deal and go ahead, go ahead and shelling out some dollars to get in on some of the action. Some people still are, I guess we say still have 70% of my offers that I get on my cards are, are low balls. Again, I'm only selling uh, duplicates. I'm not selling anything that, um, you know, I plan on keeping in my private collection. Uh, but it, it, but it's interesting when, the prices that people will throw around on a player like Tyler Murray after he does five touchdowns, whereas Joe Burrow and uh, Justin Herbert I really haven't proven a lot. And uh, their prices are between, you know, 30 to uh, 60, 70% more than Kyler Murray. Um, so I still think that Kyler's criminally undervalued. and It just makes zero sense to me. I mean, we just saw Herbert throw for one TD and one interception and that barely beating the skins. And I tell you what, Danny Dimes sure did look a hell of a lot better than uh, Justin Herbert against that defense that's supposed to be so stout. Uh, Joey B did great, but at the same time, I, I, I'm predicting that uh, the Bengals will finish last in their own division. I don't see them finishing ahead of Ravens, Steelers, and uh, the Browns. Uh, and I think uh, Herbert will have a tr- tough time becoming even third in his division. So it's interesting to see the hobby spend so much money on prospecting a second-year player versus almost you see more value in going in and buying third- and fourth-year quarterbacks that you know, are on the typical maturity line of, of, of a quarterback to becoming success is going back to what we talked about earlier. I mean, if you're drafting the top five or six picks or even top 10 picks of the draft, 
odds are you're drafted to a pretty crappy team. So it's going to take two or three years to fill up that roster. Yeah. Sound perspective. And I think just talking about the divisions, you know, we saw it with Baker Mayfield in his third year, right? It seemed like, you know, he was floundering a little bit team around him, got really good, hit the playoffs, won a couple games, market went up excitement around Baker going into this year. Kyler's in that, you know, pivotal year three, obviously showed showed out week one. Then I look, right? I know you felt this as a Colts fan, like, you know, getting our, our butts kicked in by the Seahawks and you look around the league and you're like, damn, like the Rams look really good too. And damn, like the 49ers look good too. So what are you, how are you feeling right now after like, you probably aren't, can't get like, oh, the Cardinals are for sure going to win the division because the division's probably the best division in football. Like, how are you thinking yeah. about that? Yeah, I don't even put Cardinals as a lock to win the division. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, especially in the seven-team uh, uh, playoff format. Uh, I believe that would allow all four of those teams to get them in the division, if I'm correct, which is absolutely amazing. <laughs> it almost seems like it would be uh, a doable, but uh, we'll see how things shake out. Uh, it's definitely not encouraging because I think uh, Arizona has the worst coach in that division as well. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I think if you went down the, the new starters list, as far as new starters on both offense and defense, I think Cardinals probably have the most in the NFL. I want to say 50 to 60% of their starters are all brand new guys. And we're not talking about young, young cats. We're talking about, you know, veterans that have done it before uh, and upgrading at every single one of those positions. So uh, although um I like uh, or don't necessarily like that it's a the toughest division in football, which I feel it is. Uh, I do think the teams that come out of that will be more uh, playoff ready than uh, anybody else in the NFC. I agree with you. And do you feel like this is kind of a? I wouldn't say make or break, but there's a lot of pressure on Kyler to to make the playoffs uh, this year, right? Yeah, I would say it's make or break for their coaching staff for sure. I think. Uh, Again, especially in this era, I mean, you've got to ride out your quarterback on that rookie contract. And, you know, if they don't really see the playoffs, playoffs on year three, then I think Kingsbury and everybody else is gone on that coaching staff. And they're just going to insert somebody else because once you get past that rookie contract, uh, you know, you're really going to be asking your quarterback to take some salary cuts uh, or make some salary adjustments, kind of similar to what Mahomes has done for his team to be stabilized for the next couple of years. But even them, that even they are going to have uh, uh, some problems a couple of years now from, from now with the old cap issues. For sure. And may, maybe we rounded out with this. So I'd love to gather your perspective on like, how are you thinking about your, obviously you're in Murray for the long game. He's someone you speculated on, you invested on, you double down on, you keep going. Like what is your long-term game plan with your Kyler PC and Kyler cards? Like, how are you thinking about it? Does it change day to day or do you have like a vision set for what you want to have happen? I do have a vision set uh, with how much I invest in it. The first goal, I, you know, frankly, it should be the goal of anybody that's uh, uh, got a moderate collection is offset your cost basis. At the end of the day, uh, this is just cardboard. Uh, you know, I really think it's going to stick around and we're not going to see this big bubble burst like everybody's been preaching ever since March when COVID started uh, in regards to cards. I mean, there are big financial corporations that are invested into our hobbies nowadays. And I really do feel like our era, Brett, uh, you know, thankfully uh, 
uh, has a couple dollars in their pockets now and really grew up with cards, reinvigorated cards from their childhood. Uh, so that nostalgia era is a real thing. I also think another factor of legalized betting being uh, approved in all 50 states here, uh, probably within the next 18 to 24 months, is also a big thing because it translates into sports cards and having a tangible asset uh, to essentially gamble with. Uh, I, I love the uh, uh, football uh, uh, theory more than anything because, again, you're looking at the most bet upon sport, the most anticipated sport to watch every single weekend, uh, the biggest fantasy sport uh, uh, out there. So a lot of factors are really going to drive our specific niche of the, of the football market to keep on rising, toppled with football is never as high as the other sports. So there wasn't this really big Mount Everest price to just drop down from. But I think that's another big factor where football is going to be a little more stable than the other sports. We're not necessarily going to see the volatility, which again goes back to my own collection is it's not really an urgent to just kind of get rid of everything because I don't think football is going to have the volatile drops that other sports have seen. So with that said, I mean, I would like to, you know, eventually offset my cost basis. About 80% of that's been knocked out. Uh, and then from there, just kind of collect the uh, a few rare pieces I feel like I need to complete rainbows or just certain specific cards that I extremely covet. That is such a great snapshot. And all those words and everything you just said describe everything that was going on in my head and my heart when I decided football cards are where it's at and Sundays are sacred. Like, Literally, you know this in Indianapolis, no one does anything but pays attention to the Colts and the city shuts down for the Colts. This is happening all over the country. It's just the exposure to football cards hasn't necessarily been where maybe basketball has. People have are spending a ton of money on Sundays, whether it's betting, fantasy, season tickets, going to the games, cards fall right within those that portfolio. Big time. And then Again, I don't want to poo-poo on any other sports because I grew up playing basketball and I'm from the Hoosier State and I still love my Pacers very much so. But at the same time, you know, working in the corporate banking world myself, uh, I can't tell you one CEO that says I can't wait to go to the basketball game or the baseball game. Uh, but they all talk about football. So take that for what's worth. A couple more before I let you get out of here. Everyone, like, go check out his page, Hi and Kyler. What is your most significant and it, to you, Kyler piece that you currently own, like what is your baby? Oh, I guess I would have to go. I would have to go with my uh, 2019 Black Prism Finite Auto one of one Kyler Murray. This is when I really kind of transitioned to start spending big money on Kyler's, uh, and I got the card for around four thousand bucks at the time. Oh man! Uh, but then had listed the card on eBay, not as Kyler Murray. But Tyler Murray with a T. So my big thing of making beer money in college was finding mislistings uh, uh, on eBay search engine based on people typing in the wrong keywords, whether they forgetting the H in Johnson when they're listing Magic Johnson or spelled Jordan, J-O-R-D-O-N, uh, and sniping uh, some steals there and then just going ahead and reselling it, uh, uh, the item. So every once in a while, again, uh, I hope nobody makes a big mistake on Kyler Murray's anyway anymore, but uh, – I would type in Tyler Murray just to see what one showed up. And sure enough, this Black Benite showed up. And uh, it was some guy in Pennsylvania that pulled it from a single box and submitted it right into uh, BGS. And fortunately, I was able to negotiate him down with it. And within it hitting five minutes on eBay. So uh, 
uh, I got lucky. I love <laughs> that story. It's all about those types of hacks and activities. And if you if you're doing volume of activities like that, eventually you get thrown a bone. Now, most of the time, it's not the black finite. Autograph. No, come on, Tyler Murray on that card. <laughs> it wasn't like it was like a secret hidden gem hanging around or something. It's like, oh, uh, oh. that's absolutely very thankful. <laughs> Ama- amazing. Uh, final thing, we're coming up on week two. Cardinals have the Vikings. Joe Burrow kind of took advantage of that defense a little bit. What 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 is your prediction going to this game? I think I saw something in your story that was like, "Hey, you better buy your Kyler Murray cards now." So I'm anticipating some optimism on your end. Yeah, we're gonna see Electric Factory again on the offense. I do. I will say though, I am a little bit nervous in regards to the Vikings offense versus, uh, especially versus the Cardinals cornerbacks. I mean, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are. No slouch. They're top 10, 10 uh, wide receivers in my eyes, uh, going along with uh, uh, Dalvin Cook. I mean, that's going to be a tough matchup on defense. No way uh, you can slice that any differently. But uh, on the offense side, I, I mean, after seeing Joe Burrow carve it up, I thought the Vikings would have improved with a Mike Zimmer-led uh, team, which is notorious for defense. But uh, Joe Burrow can do that uh, uh, with that uh, pretty shoddy offensive line. Uh, I, I'm pretty confident that Tyler Murray and his revamped uh, Offense will be a uh, electric factory all day against that uh, Minnesota Vikings team. We will all be watching for sure. Peter, this was awesome. One of my favorite player collectors out. Check out his page, High in Kyler. It's got some bangers on there. I'm glad you dropped that story about the Black Finite. That's what it's all about. Thanks, man. We'll have to get you back on midseason or maybe later when Kyler's in that MVP race. Oh, yeah. Appreciate it, b Take care, brother. I love the stories. I love the process and everything that he has to share. If you're hopping into a new player market, make sure you're doing the homework. Like my man, High End Kyler. If you like what I'm doing, hit the subscribe button. Tell a damn friend about the show. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I will be back with more Stacking Slabs podcast for you next week.